Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to that Chelsea podcast episode four, the one where we have a big discussion about football. Slightly different to what you've maybe listened to before. We're not going to be talking about Chelsea. We're going to be talking about the, I guess, big general football discussions and topics. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Jack Davies. How are we doing, fella? Yeah, fine, mate. And uh, we've also got our first guest on the pod, Alex Major from the fifth, fifth majors. Podcast, five majors podcast. Uh, just quickly, you want to plug plug your plug your podcast? Quick? Um, I'm I'm not sure how how many Chelsea fans um out there your listeners are too into their golf. But if you are into golf, there's some great discussions from myself and other boys from the University of Nottingham golf team, and we go on there and we um, mess about and talk about golf. So yeah, if you fancy if you fancy having a look at that, um, feel free. Lovely, lovely stuff. Right in the pod. Today, we all are also going to answer a couple of the questions that we did get sent in. So thank you for that. The first sort of discussion we're going to have is gay footballers in the Premier League. Currently, as you know, as we're aware, there are no publicly out footballers. What we're going to discuss is do we need a Premier League player to come out? And how come it is easier for female, top female footballers and perhaps top female athletes in other sports to come out? compared to their male counterparts. I'll just start this off with Alex. You're the guest, just, I guess, opening thoughts on why we don't have any gay Premier League footballers or gay top male athletes. Um, I think it's probably for a multitude, a multitude of reasons. Um, I think, I think first I want to say that I think the Premier League and the UEFA and everyone's initiatives towards supporting the LGBTQ community are absolutely brilliant. I love the rainbow laces. I think it's great that 
because because football traditionally and sports in general are very I want to say macho and it's um, I think there's definitely a culture in football and rugby where you go out you play football and then it's all about like getting on the lash and like being lads um, and there's not so much of a space in that culture um, which is previously accepting like of people with different sexualities so that that's I think it's partly the culture and the former culture of it. Um, I mean, there might there might be a possibility that you know there aren't any footballers that are gay. That's obviously probably false, but um, I like to think that society now is getting to a place where even if you are in the limelight, that you can come out um, and be honest with your sexuality and be honest with who you are. Yeah, JD, anything you'd like to add to that? Um, yeah, no, I agree with Alex, to be fair. I was just, um, just like remembering when I watched um, Celebrity Who Dares Wins and John Fashnu was on there. Oh, and obviously right. his, 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 I think it was his young brother, Justin, was gay. And um, this was like in the late, late 90s, I think. Um, and he, he said on the show that he'd paid his brother £75,000 to not say and not come out that he was gay. Um, and then he later committed suicide, I think it was in 1998. Yeah, about um, relations of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I think I'd like to think we're more accepting now, but like Alex said, it's, it is like lad culture football. It's quite working class. Um, so I think it's it's very difficult for people to actually come out because I know it's I know it's wrong, but in in football, if if someone did come out at the moment, I think they'd still they'd still get a hard time for it, definitely from from fans. Yeah, well, I mean, um, just say like, let's not you know, homophobic chanting still goes on in football, whether people necessarily realise yeah. it. I mean, a common thing aimed at Chelsea fans is, you know, they're called rent boys. And yeah. if anyone's not aware, like, the sort of definition is like a, a homosexual, like, male prostitute. That's what the yeah. connotations of that of that word are. Also, you know, looking back, you know, in going back sort of in history, it's only 1967 was when, you know, decriminalised, you know, being gay. So it's not, we look yeah. back, it's not actually that long ago, really. Yeah. And again, I sort of add on that, topic as well but if you think if we think about how the media like treats its like big stars in this this country and especially like the obsession and fascination with with footballers particularly english footballers all their life you know in the limelight you know Raheem sterling like previously talked about how he was portrayed in the media last year and that led them to rethink a bit rethink it but you've got you know players private lives aren't really out the public eye no matter how much they try that you know pictured out at nightclubs or whatever leaving with maybe you know strange strange people or whatever dif different people to maybe who they came in with um given that also at the moment there isn't a publicly gay top premier league football or elite footballer Again, the, you also there's also I guess the chance that the media would have an absolute field day with that, and then that person who, you know, would probably want privacy isn't ultimately going to get that because he's the new news. Everyone's going to want to talk. Everyone's going to want to know all about it. And I guess you know if he wants privacy, that's probably not going to be possible, is it? 
I think that's part of it, to be fair. Like, there, there might well be gay footballers and there's, maybe they just don't want their private lives being broadcasted everywhere. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe, like, if they, so I was just thinking as you were speaking then that, mute, like, music stars, how many pop stars and actors and actresses, they've come out as gay and it's completely um, acceptable. But I think I think it's what we what Jack touched on that the the viewership of certainly the Premier League in this country and your fans your fans that go to the game are typically of a working class background and sometimes um, obviously not always that comes with it certain aspects of homophobia racism you saw it um, when we played City. Sorry, United played City, um, <laughs> and I can't remember. I, I think it was Fred was yeah. like receiving monkey chance. Um, like it's still going on, and I know it's a separate issue, but I think there's still that culture around football, um, that lingering culture of homophobia in society that remains with um, with today's game, if you like. Um, I don't. I, I think society's gradually moving on, and football's just slightly behind it. Um, there's a lot of people I think are very stuck in their ways, certainly in the fan base, um, and they're completely entitled to their opinion. Obviously, we try to stamp out homophobia and racism out of everything, um, but I just think I just think football's a bit behind society. But in, ter- in terms of players players coming out, I think. I'm not sure how much they're thinking about this, if they're thinking about coming out. It's quite an interesting topic. Yeah, because it's just, you know, when you, you know, if you talk, think of top, you know, female sports, like I guess the leading light in women's football is Megan Rapinoe. As we know, she's she's openly out there. And I guess also, you know, some, you know, female stars in other sports as well. So I guess it's just perhaps just percept, you know, I guess just a society thing of percep- people's perceptions of it and, However, perhaps people just more accepting of women being women gay than women being gay than men. I guess that's a part of it, you know. That while you know a lot of people, we you know hope don't really have an issue with people's sexual you know orientation or however they see fit. That it's still, I guess, just a taboo subject. Yeah. And again, potentially also, you know, we you know don't necessarily, but I guess. Players also, you know, they're brands as well. They're not just players, you know, a lot of them will, you know, work with brands. So I guess there's a fear there as well, potentially, if they come, if it would affect them, you know, how the way they brand or how they, you know, be perceived or maybe pigeonholed into something. I guess that's also something they've got to look out on, isn't it? 100%. I think you, what you said earlier about um, Chelsea Rent Boys, I, I can't imagine watching when the fans come back I can't imagine watching a Chelsea game and when Chelsea go 1-0 down you hear Chelsea rent boys sound like I just can't imagine that happening um, I don't know that's sort of like unfathomable or well, I've been to Chelsea with you two a couple of times I can't imagine that not being sung it's like just the done thing mm. but no, actually, 100% it will still ha- it still happens because what, I'm sure you hear it every game at Stamford Bridge no exactly and it's a lack of Education, because to be fair, yeah, I was un- I was unaware of till recently. Yeah, it was until you like actually researching, you know, the connotations of it. Yeah, that that's what it is. And again, I guess you know we've got a question about later, which will answer. But I guess it's just about education, really. A lot of fans, yeah, yeah. a lot of people set in their ways, 
and people setting their ways are quite tough to change but also yeah. it's about educating people and if education doesn't come in early it's going to be hard to shift isn't it 100 percent. i i just like i said i just can't i can't see that changing i can't see how and and you think about players coming out say like a chelsea player right Every away game he goes to, every time he plays Stamford Bridge, he's the away fans sound Chelsea rent boys, Chelsea rent boys. So you're going to come out as gay or feel comfortable in his sexuality and then go out yeah. and play in front of 20,000 people who he's perceived are going to all, you know, oppress him because of his sexuality. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a reason, I think. No, no, exactly. Good discussion on that one, lads. Um, we did get question in uh it sort of links to us what we've talked about is this generation of players and sort of co coaches will link in as well more willing to speak of societal issues than previous generations uh got a question is it hypocritical that pep guardiola was fined for his outward support for catalonian independence by wearing a yellow ribbon uh but however the premier league has allowed other political views to be freely expressed on equipment such as uh black lives matter on the on the shirt on the badges in the first round of games it replaced um the names you've got you know the rainbow pride laces and also the fact that you know around remembrance they have poppies on the shirt um i guess a quick answer is the you know we we all kind of feel that with from discussing beforehand that the Premier League's job or football's job isn't to express or, you know, people don't come to watch the Premier League for its political views. People come to watch the Premier League for its football. Um, but I guess we, we all agree that it's great, you know, people showing support for, you know, the Black Lives Matter with, you know, taking showing some solidarity and all those images being aired around the world. But I guess we don't want the Premier League to just become a political, a chance just to, to spread political views, really, do we? Hundred percent. I think it's weird. I was thinking that. So in like the seventies, eighties, and nineties, the political campaigning was done on the terraces, and it's done like you look at Liverpool fans and fans in the northwest, in particular, and the northeast, still still sing about Margaret Thatcher today, <laughs> yeah. um, and but that political side of football has gone to the pitch um, for right or wrong um, and we were speaking earlier like you look at like White Lives Matter Burnley I, there is definitely a group of people who reject you know certain aspects of what the Premier League is campaigning for um, otherwise Premier League wouldn't be campaigning for it um, and whether football is the place to do it i whether actually the FA see their role in society as as campaigners, um, I think is definitely a question up for debate. Yeah, no, exactly. Because I mean, we've seen top top athletes, you know, the likes of Jaden Sancho, Raheem Sterling, talk you know talk openly, you know, about racism and you know show their support for the camp for the campaigns. And we've seen you know, as I say, all the players. Um, showing their support via you know before kickoff but also you know those social media posts um we talk and about it just they've got they've got the platform to do it these players think about how many million followers sancho sterling people like that have 
and they are using it in the correct manner to spread these views to people and trying to help educate people that might not necessarily be educators. Um, so with the, with the Premier League, I think ultimately it's not it's not their um, prime role to engage in in these political campaigns. But because so many people watch the Premier League, they have that platform to be able to try and make a difference. But I see what Alex is saying and things, and it ultimately it's it's people in higher positions in politics that should be making these changes but the Premier League can help to push yeah. for these changes I think I guess it would just go if you've got an audience and you feel strongly about a subject then you know help educate people help use your platform to spread knowledge of of that really because because as we said there's no you know we just we, the question is about you know, Guardiola showing his support for uh, Catalonian independence. The yellow ribbon was a sign that because Catalonia, you know, wants to become an autonomous, auto autonomous region, there um, they lot they got stripped of their autonomy in 2017 after trying to break away, and then lead leaders who like and activists who called for it were imprisoned for pushing for independence, and that that's basically why Pep wears. Um, ribbon he, he's obviously a proud catalonian so he feels strongly about it so i guess in answer to that question we don't really have an issue with him sharing his how he feels through a symbol on his through what where he wears on his jacket but at the same time you know it as we say in the premier league rules are rules it's not really for promoting you know political movements or political views I think in a sense then it like it is hypocritical um because so so take the rainbow laces um for example that campaign is about football and it's about yeah, um, true, i guess yeah it's about allowing um people yeah. in the lgbt community to feel like they can come and play football and embrace the game that we all love and i think Everyone should support that, and it's related to the Premier League, and it's related. Yeah, I guess. To I guess that's true. FA, FA's campaign and the FA's role is, of course, like holding the Premier League and the FA Cup, etc. But its biggest role is getting communities and people into the sport of football. Yeah. That is that is their role um, in society, and the Rainbow Lace campaign attributes to that role. Their promotion of Black Lives Matter movement. If they if they're like say the say no to racism thing. That's yeah. a brilliant campaign about um, stamping out racism within the game of football um, and making sure it's inclusive to everyone because that's, at the end of the day, is what we all want. I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that it's the FA's place um, to be standing with, say, the Black Lives Matter movement on prison reform. I completely agree with everything the Black Lives Matter movement stands for, but is it the FA's place or... Uh, the Premier League's place to do that. I'm I'm not convinced. It's yeah. similar to um, uh, the NFL thing with Colin Kaepernick. Um, There's a and he kneeled and like he can he has the right for me to kneel in front of the national anthem. But he's paid. He's paid to play football. He's paid. He's on screens to play American football. He's not on screens um, to kneel and do a political statement. And that's 
that's the rules of the NFL and that's the rules of the Premier League. So they should they should themselves abide by those rules, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, again, so look, well, you know, maybe some of them don't have an issue with, you know, you know, say players taking a stance. It's not it's not the Premier League's role. It's not necessarily football's role to 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 show their support. But if when you know if they want if they feel strongly about it, then I guess go for it. Really, um, I guess with the final question, we've got a question from: How can football use its massive fan base and reach to drive social change? I guess the biggest example we've seen with this recently is the work of Marcus Rashford getting the government to do a U-turn on increasing um, the the school meals uh, vouchers uh, over the summer holidays. I guess, obviously, you know, that's a great example of, you know, football and players, you know, a player coming together to make a good change in society. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's relatable to him as well because... Obviously, he's he's come out and said he had to go through those struggles with a single parent and I think five siblings or something like that. So it's good that he feels strong enough about that and that he's now in a position, uh, not of authority, but of like with social following that he can try and make a difference. Um, and the fact that he he's uh, got the government to do a U-turn is is was massive. I think something you should be very proud of. I just think maybe maybe some players do it and don't like to say what they do for charity, etc. But I think more players could do more. I just think how how much money those players are on per week. Um, I think they can do more. Yeah, I agree with you, Jack. To be fair, um, I don't know, like footballers lifestyles but how many kids how many young lads um grow up want to be a professional footballer like like is it, everyone does right yeah, exactly hands up, hands up here if you were wanting to be a professional yeah. footballer well, yeah, exactly. yeah exactly exactly but the the reality is it's yeah. only a dream that's achieved by the very very few um and they should like they should recognize that i think and and i definitely think i don't know it's it's hard to speak from a position when you're not a professional footballer but <laughs> i would like to think that if i ever got to that stage where i was earning you know like millions of pounds a year mm-hmm. and all i've got to do is turn up to training for a couple of hours a day and then go play it do what you love in front of eighty thousand people on the weekend i'd like to think that i would spend a little time my day doing something like marcus ratchet's done or yeah. going back to the community and helping disadvantaged kids or whatever it is helping elderly people whatever it is um they got so much time in their hands um but at the same time they have their liberty to not do that um yeah it's i guess it would be great i think what marcus rashford did i want to echo what jack said what marcus rashford did is amazing and it would be great to see more players um doing that yeah yeah again i just quickly add as well is you know we talk about football and players but also what people you know a lot of people probably aren't aware a lot of clubs you know all the great community work the clubs do all the you know foundations etc I mean Jack and I talked on the first podcast about all the great work Chelsea have done in the in the COVID pandemic it's not it's obviously not just Chelsea other clubs have, have stepped up and done a great job so I think football can in terms of using its fan base 
I wouldn't say so to drive so I would not, I'm not necessarily but in terms of what they've got in terms of the actual what they've got in front of them or what you know the ability that clubs have got they definitely can help drive social change and to be fair they do you know they do show a chill you know again sort of just going back briefly to Black Lives Matter I think you know Premier League clubs all trying to you know showing their support for it so they can definitely football and sort of can drive social change but I think it's important that we don't put that pressure on you know everyone involved in football to drive that change because it's ultimately it's not their number one it's not their main job 100% yeah hit the nail on the head <laughs> nice one nice one we got just do a I guess a quick segment before we wrap up um this sort of links in do foot just a general question do footballers get a fair rap from the outside, I guess, you know, we, there's all the stereotypes, you know, that go around and maybe people and people who don't, you know, who aren't into maybe football like us, you know, you may always go footballers, they earn, you know, the job they do, kicking a ball on a pitch, earn way too much money compared to, you know, people who are out there saving lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, look, it ultimately, it comes down to where the money is in the, in the industry, really. But yeah, yeah. The, the society values their services at that certain amount, which is why there's so much money in football. Yeah. And that's why they get paid so much. Exactly. Yeah. In the entertainment or industry. Or not, is a separate argument. Yeah. Um, it's entertainment industry is where, you know, the money is really because people yeah, want me, to be entertained. Me yeah. and some of my friends were set, were discussing this and just some of my friends think that maybe in a couple of years due to the coronavirus pandemic and the recession that's going to happen. They were saying that there could possibly be a cap on on uh, wages of Premier League players, which would be very interesting. Um, but if do they get a fair rep? Um, I think because I've I've I know some people that play football. I've I've seen them before come through the ranks. I think people just see the tip of the iceberg. Um, the fame they've got, followers, sort of like sponsorships, yeah. um, no, etc. Money, well. yeah. There's a great post Martin Waghorn shared on social media. Um, well, I'll try and put it up on the Instagram afterwards. But it basically just shows you know what people see, yeah. Like, you know, under the other top, you know, the ice yeah. at the top, and then the water underneath. What all the stuff they don't see, all the injuries, all the you know trainings, all the exactly. yeah. Hard that's, work. What, that's what exactly what I was going to touch on. Yeah, literally those things. That you just don't see behind the scenes. Yeah. You yeah, you don't get to look at the full you don't get to look at the full view of what's what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Hundred percent. I, I think that's an interesting debate where they talk about um uh, like the players' wage cuts um because of coronavirus. And I think there was I can't remember who it was. It was someone like Danny Higginbottom. It was someone like that. I can't remember exactly. But like he's had a decent career, um, probably earned a bit of money. But at the end of the day, these guys have a wage and they have a lifestyle. Um, yeah. and they have a mortgage, the same as everyone else. Um, not everyone is like, I don't know, like um uh, Mo Salah on three hundred grand a week. I don't know what he's on, but 
you know, not mo- the majority of football Never players on whatever ridiculous wages. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. The majority of footballers aren't on those wages, yeah. and for them to for them to say, oh, they should take complete pay cut to save yeah. the football club, but we're like, no, because they've actually got lifestyles as well. And like you said, they've worked so hard. They've worked yeah. so hard. Um, all of those players, uh, like you said, injuries, um, like breaks or like not quite making it, like setbacks. They've had to work their absolute arse off to get to the position where they can play in the Premier League. And then for like a pandemic to come and then people say, you should take wage cuts and not respecting the hard work that they've put in to become the players that they have, I think is unfair. Yeah, I guess I just far point out that it's not their fault the money they earn. That's the exactly. money in football, but all exactly. the you know, all the television deals, etc. It's not their it's not their fault. And ultimately for them, as much as we love it as fans, it's a job for them. Well, yeah. for some it's obviously a dream, it's a job and they've got to look after families, etc. So just my final point on that is they've got, you know, if you've got an opportunity to earn as much as money as you can and better your life as much as you can. Why wouldn't you do that? Um, so that will wrap up this episode of that Chelsea podcast. Big thank you to our guest, Alex Major, for coming on. As I said, Absolute make pleasure. sure you check his, his podcast out if you're in t- interested in your golf. Uh, big thank you to Jack Davies as well. And uh, until next episode, everybody, keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.